Gillespie and Samuels returning, Zagorowski, Bishop, and many more leaving, and coaches swapping. There's lots of changes in the Big East. That's what we'll be talking about today on The Flex. That was a nice move by Pipkins, taking it right to the rack himself. Wide open three, left wing, and it's good. Nylon, the dunk likes that, Matt. A three from the right side, and it's good! The one, Pipkins, the man, yet again. Hello and welcome to The Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean. It's Joe Howie. And we got another episode for you. Like we've been saying, it's the off-season, but that doesn't mean the action stops. Lots of changes coming in the landscape of college basketball. For the Friars, uh, the end of last week, we had the announcement that Jair Davis will be transferring we are going to talk about that a lot more in detail down the road, but we wanted today to be focused on the other news around the Big East, the stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about in our last episode. But, I mean, the Friars have been going through changes. Everybody else in the Big East has been doing it, too. And I don't think there's a bigger change out there than Theo John leaving Marquette for Duke. I mean, this isn't the biggest the biggest news. But I wanted to start with this because... I just I, I was shocked when you texted me that Theo John was going to Duke. I did not see this coming. Yeah, um, this this was the most comical change that I've seen in a while, and I think it was kind of unanimous across Big East Twitter that this was kind of the most ridiculous change. I mean, Theo John, he's big and he's strong. By no means was he the best center in the conference. I mean, I think. Nate, Mamu, anyone really give him a run for his money with that. He was very rarely consistent, wasn't much of a score. He was kind of just a big body that could block shots and goaltend. He's tough. What the, what the hell is he doing going to Duke? What does Coach K want with him? I, I mean, if you, if you peel back the layers, you could probably hypothetically realize that maybe Wojo got some sort of an assistant gig there and he was able to pull some strings and get Theo John in. Or maybe he just pulls strings without the gig, but Wojo had something to do with this. But regardless, I'm just, I think what I'm looking forward to most with this transaction is that when you watch Theo John at Duke, watching Coach K's reactions to how bad he is, is going to be 10 times better than the game itself. Like Theo John's going to goaltend and Coach K is probably going to have a heart attack. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, too, is because it's Duke, you know Theo John's going to go there and, like, the, the step up from Wojo to Coach K is probably going to unlock some kind of magical ability in Theo John. And he'll, he'll have like a one or two games where he comes off the bench there and plays amazingly. And everybody of the Big East is going to laugh when that happens. I just, I can't wait for that day. I, it's, I'm so glad that he's out of the Big East. I'm going to be honest, I didn't. I forgot he still had eligibility. What is this, year 9 for him? I thought it was year 17, but maybe I miscounted. <laughs> oh Guy's my... so old. He's been there forever. Yeah. I, I mean, props to him for just keeping it going, finding a way to stay out there. He's obviously having a great time with it. And you know what? If he If he gets himself to Duke and gets a ring out of it or something like that, you know what? My hat's off to him. Well played, Theo John. You've, uh, you've outplayed us. Matt, what are you gonna do if he if he wins a chip with Duke? Oh, I'll I'll get a Duke Theo John jersey. <laughs> I'm all in on this. He's, um, he's probably he's the most inconsistent but most entertaining 
non-star player. Because you just never know what's going to happen. I don't know if he knows what he's going to do next. A lot of times he looks kind of confused out there, you know? Yeah. Especially defensively. If, like, there's a switch, he has no idea what he's doing. But he's going to hit something. Honestly, in another life, he could have been, like, a great hockey player. Just go around, throw his body around, and hit people. Like He would have been a great rugby player. He's got giant shoulders. Those would be perfect in the scrum. But he would have been a good prop. For anyone that understands rugby, a prop is, like, the biggest person on the field. That's what he would have played. That's we're, we're tapping into the niche Providence basketball and rugby fan market for for all of those listeners out there. There might be actually Paul Michaels. I know. <laughs> listen, so he, he he was actually one of our props. He was a yeah. good prop, Paul. Yeah. yeah. So that that comment is for you, Paul. Um, that joke has an audience of one. <laughs> Two. I played rugby, too. That's true. Well, that's true. Hey, I'm not going to. I like rugby. It's a great sport. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's uh, it's fun to play. It gets a little old, and then limping to class afterwards kind of sucks. But it's good, good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't play because I don't think my body could take that. I don't understand how you're able to do that. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't understand how I was able to do it either. I can only come away with a broken nose. Uh, uh, twice I broke it twice. Well, I'm sitting over here and never having broken a bone. So, I'm gonna. I'll, gla- I'll gladly trade the track record with you. I've broken everything. <laughs> well, I do have two concussions, but that's uh, that's a whole other thing. No broken bones. I'm proud to keep that streak going. I I drank my milk as a kid, so strong bones. <laughs> were, you, were you one of the kids, the in the got milk uh, posters that they would hang in the cafeteria oh, with that's like my the first little milk mustache? Yeah. <laughs> Seth Rogen with a milk mustache. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's uh, well, that's that's something. That's that's a visual right there. That's oh, the the guys over at Roll Blob are gonna love that one. Oh yeah, they're the ones that gave me. I didn't realize that you looked like Seth Rogen until I listened to them, and when you were a guest on their pod, and I was like, wait a second, that is completely right. And then I pulled up a bunch of pictures of Seth Rogen. I mean, the hair color is different, but the hair texture and beard are exactly the same. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I I didn't know it until then either. So, so there you go. You learn something new about yourself, too. Yeah, we, we expand horizons here. Let's uh, let's bring it back to the Big East here, though. And we'll start at the top of the conference with Villanova. There, there's been a lot of changes. We're not going to talk about every single one throughout the conference, but we're going to try to hit all the big names, guys who are staying, guys who are leaving. Villanova, Colin Gillespie, and Jermaine Samuels will be staying. Robinson Earls leaving for the draft. What were your initial thoughts when you saw these headlines break? Um, Well, just I think Robinson Earl declared before the other two did. Um, I knew he was going to leave. I mean, he played the five out of position here. He'll be a great uh, wing or power forward, small forward in the NBA. It was realistic. It's a it's the right move for him. He doesn't have anything left to give for college. He's yeah. ready for the pro. He's ready to go pro and play the correct position. Um, Gillespie and Samuels. Uh, I mean, Gillespie. You kind of you got to read the writing on the wall there. He's injured. If he had any aspirations of going pro, those would have been severely delayed if he didn't come back. You know, he needs another a tune up year. I can't imagine he's going to be at the same level. He's still going to be a threat. But keep in mind, this entire offseason, or at least most of the offseason, 
He has to work on getting strength back in his leg first before he can even touch a basketball and get into back into Jay Wright's system. I'm sure they're going to yeah. try and get him back in there as quickly as possible, but he's got to rehabilitate first. Yeah, I mean, look at Marcus Zagorowski last year. He had to go through that same process, and it took him a long time to become the player that he was before. Yeah, it's just it takes a, and it takes a while. Like there's the rehab process, but after that, you got to get that confidence in your own body back. A lot of times, it takes a full season of playing to really get back to where you were. So yeah. that, I mean, that's going to be interesting because Gillespie is a guy who won Big East Player of the Year in that three-way tie. And expectations are going to be sky high for him next year. But I don't know if that's going to be fair just because of the injury. That would be if Colin Gillespie comes into the year and is is it's a similar Marcus Zagorowski situation where he's named preseason Big East player of the year. That's completely unfair to him. He has to he has to come back. What It was MCL, right? I believe so. Yeah. He has to come back from an MCL tear. He has to get the surgery. He has to go through rehabilitation and then. After all that's done, then he has to start rebuilding muscle in his leg and re reworking into Jay Wright's system. I mean, to say, oh, this kid's going to be the Big East preseason player of the year is not fair. That's a heavy weight to put on him. Yeah. Will he get back to himself? Yes, of course he will. Zagorowski did it. It's not like it's a, a multi-year injury, but it's not like in November when games start that Gillespie's going to be flying up and down the court dropping 30 points. Yeah. And if he is, more power to him. But... If you set the expectation that high, you're asking to be disappointed. So yeah. we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Obviously, this is great news for Villanova that they're getting those guys back. But uh, less so for the rest of the conference. Not thrilled to see him staying in Villanova for that extra year. We'd love to see him leave and try to take a stab at some of the younger blood that they've got down there. It would give the Friars a better chance. But moving out of the Philly area, if you look around the Big East... Plenty of other big names are going to be leaving. Marcus Zagorowski is leaving Creighton for the NBA. Christian Bishop is leaving Creighton for Texas. Kudis Wahab leaving Georgetown. He's heading to Maryland. He'll be joining Fats Russell there from URI. I think those are the biggest names that we've seen leaving. What do you What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Um, I'll go in reverse order here. Kudis Wahab was the biggest surprise for me, especially because Georgetown just won the Big East title. I, I and all on the backs of Kudus Wahab. I, I mean, yeah. he, he, this is why, and I completely understand why John Fanta wasn't the biggest advocate for this transfer rule. It's because now players are sort of manipulating the system. I mean, Kudus Wahab was the type of player that had his way. He was the starting big man. He was getting a ton of minutes playing uh, up and down the court. And he's leaving for Maryland. It's not like he's jumping to to Duke like Theo John. He's going to Maryland, which is another power conference school, sure. But you had your way, Georgetown. Same thing with like a Mac McClung type. I, I get it. The Matumbo kid is coming in and will probably be a threat for playing time. But it, instead of defending your role, you're just going to jump ship. I see. That's the mentality I don't like. Maybe there's more. There's more layers here that we we don't see. Maybe Pat Ewing asked him to do something in the offseason that he didn't like, maybe bulk up, cut down, and Wahab was like, I don't want to do that. But when you have the flexibility and the luxury to be the starter at a team that just won the conference championship, I, that's a shocking move. Really, really yeah. shocking. Yeah, I think w when we all saw that <laughs> that headline, it was just a, whoa. Like I, I, Nobody saw that coming. And 
I don't really know what it means for Georgetown. I don't know what this says about Patrick Ewing. It can't say good things about him, but it doesn't necessarily mean bad things either. It's just it's a whole bunch of question marks again with that program. And the highs can be so high for them and the lows can get so low. Yep. As we saw this year. Yeah. Um, and then I'll hit on Bishop. Bishop, I, um, there was a lot of controversy, controversy Sorry, with Creighton this year. <laughs> Um, with regards to Coach Mack's comments, um, I was expecting a player or two to transfer out just because of that. I mean, Bishop, another guy's starter, had his way, maybe just wanted a different look, wanted to test out the water somewhere else. I mean, it's just the nature of college basketball right now. Again, like it, dislike it, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, he's going to Texas. And Zagorowski, he can go to the NBA. Uh, that's That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Maybe could wait another year but that shouldn't be too surprising yeah uh other some other names of guys that are transferring we didn't mention but i think it's worth putting out there kiki tandy is going to be leaving xavier he had a real down year nope. he struggled He's, last year he pulled he removed his name from the transfer portal oh did he? all right well 24 7 sports is not up to date uh, xavier is also losing cj wilcher who started to come on at the end of the year Charlie Moore and Jalen Butts both have their names in the portal from DePaul. <laughs> Charlie Moore. Yeah. Oh, man. This is Tran- going to be his fourth Transferring school. again. Yeah. On the move yet again. Uh, what was that? He played at Kansas before DePaul. Where else was he? He went f- one season to UCLA, one at Kansas. Oh, no. Was it Kansas, then UCLA? I don't remember the order. But, yeah, those are the schools. And they'll be those are the two. Way. Yeah, I'll be on his way to a new place. Uh, you've got Josh Carlton from UConn. He's going to be going somewhere. And I mean, as well as I just discovered, this website is not entirely up to date if you're looking at 24-7 sports. So some of this may be changing, but this is this is the only place where they really put it all in one area. And to call Molson, he's going to be leaving from Seton Hall. Samir Torrance is leaving Marquette, too. He's a guy who's in Greg Gant's class who is ranked right around the same area. So Friar's not the only one in the boat there. But if you want to talk about transfers, there's one or, or changes. There's one school in the Big East that's seeing more than any other, and that's St. John's. I mean, we're seeing just an exodus of players from this program. This is going to be year three there for that coach and for Mike Anderson, and they won't have any players left from the previous regime. Nobody. Yeah, this, th- that, the, the change that we've seen in St. John's over the past – three or four years is ridiculous. Like, you, you say Shimori Pons, and that feels like it was 10 years ago, but it yeah, wasn't. Mustafa Heron, LJ Figueroa. Mustafa Heron, yeah, geez. Yeah, Figueroa I mean, went transferred out to Oregon. I mean, I mean yeah. it, it's not like St. John's was a bottom-of-the-pack team. What did they finish, fifth? Fourth? Oh my, yeah, yeah, right in the they, middle of the Big East. And you look at, I mean, the list of guys who were on the roster at the start of last season and are no longer there. Rasheem Dunn and Arnaldo Toro graduating. Isaiah Moore, Vince Cole, Josh McGriff transferring. David Carraher already left. Josh Roberts is leaving. Mar- Marcellus Erlington is leaving. Greg Williams is leaving. I think that, um, Julian Champagne declared for the draft. Did he? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But I, I know you're... That. You're you're building around Pasha Alexander and some of these young guys that they had, and this is I mean, 
the, the two teams where we looked at and said, all right, these are the up-and-coming teams in the Big East, St. John's and Georgetown. Georgetown loses Wahab. St. John's loses almost their entire roster. you got two coaches there, Mike Anderson and Patrick Ewing, who seem to have things turned in the right direction, and all of a sudden, things are going to be difficult again next year. And the plus side is that there's so much talent available in the transfer portal, you can replenish it pretty easily, but building a team is a lot more than just collecting talent. You got to get the guys to come together and play together. And it's going to be, there's going to be a challenge, especially early next season, getting these guys to come together and play cohesive basketball, whether it be St. John's Georgetown or anywhere else that's going through this right now. Yeah, Matt, I like what you said. They're building a team. This isn't like a couple of guys leaving with the expectation that a couple of guys are coming in. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys are departing yeah. from your roster. That's... Champagne, Champagne's uh, going to test the waters with the draft. So we don't yeah, know if just he, he entered. We don't too. know if he's. Yeah, we don't know if he's going to stay in the draft or not. Right. So potentially ten players could be off of your roster next season that were on your roster. That's that's a ridiculous number. I mean, it, it's this goes beyond just a couple guys transferring out. This is a complete team rebuild. Like yeah. starting five, first four off the bench. Like this is a complete. Like flesh yeah. out purge. This is Posh Alexander and Dylan Idawuso. I don't even know who else is going to be on that team next year. It's, I mean, Mike Anderson's got his work cut out for him. Uh, and I don't think we know who's going to St. John's yet, who's replacing these guys, but it's it's going to take a lot of rebuilding there. And that's got to be frustrating for those fans. And I, I mean, as a Saint, as a Big East fan, you'd like to see your teams that are in New York City and Washington D.C. play well and tap those markets. Same goes for Chicago, which we're going to hit a little bit later. And these are programs that have really struggled to to harness that. Yeah, it, it's it's just a shame because at the end of this season, it, it really looked like St. John's and Georgetown were going to rise and be Big East powers again, which just gives you old Big East vibes left and right. And now it's kind of like, okay, that was a little tease and we're going to go back to the same old routine, you know? Yeah. And if you look at if you look at the reporting that John Fanta put out there, if you believe that, which I do, it doesn't sound like this is any kind of a culture issue there. It's not like Mike Anderson's chasing guys away. Sounds like a lot of these guys just have personal reasons for making whatever decision they made, and you just haven't you get unlucky. You get a whole bunch of guys who the right decision for them is to leave for whatever reason, and you end up here. So I I believe that. Mike Anderson, from everything we've heard, is a great locker room guy and was great down at Arkansas. Arkansas, because they thought they could get Kelvin Sampson away from Houston, which they were unable to do. So then they had to go to their backup plan. And Mike Anderson came to the Big East. So that's going to be probably one of the biggest storylines to watch next season. What happens with the Red Storm? It's an open-ended question right now, and it's going to be an open-ended question for quite some time. Yeah, I think um, Mike Anderson is is a quality coach, and obviously he was Big East Coach of the Year. I think he'll be fine in the long run. I think things will be rocky to start. I mean, one offseason to develop an entire new roster is obviously not enough to hold an upper-tier Big East position. But, I mean, they'll compete. He's a good coach. If they can fit his system, they'll compete. Uh, speaking of coaches, we had two big coaching changes in the Big East. One of them, we kind of, everybody saw coming. The other one was a little bit more of a surprise. 
First one, Dave Leto out at DePaul. He'll be replaced by Tony Stubblefield, the longtime Oregon assistant coach. And the more surprising one, Wojo. He is out at Marquette. Bought him out and yeah, replacing him with Shaka Smart from Texas. After they lost to ACU in that first round upset, Abilene Christian blowing up my bracket. That uh, I it was shocking to see Shaka Smart out at Texas after what he did at VCU. You think he's going to be able to bring some of that VCU magic up to Marquette with him? Maybe I don't know. I mean, basically Marquette, it, it's like the biggest question mark right now. You could say anything you want because Wojo was probably one of the worst things to happen to that basketball program. Coop, tie that with Marcus Howard, who was one of the best things to happen, and you get the most average un- and yet underwhelming performance of a, a team over a, a co- coach's tenure. That's what happened yeah. with Wojo. So basically, I think Marquette will be pleasantly surprising. I still don't like them. I just don't like Marquette fans. I think Marquette fans have no knowledge of Big East basketball. They kind of just spew whatever comes into their mind, and they're always drunk. So that's my experience with Marquette fans. They're, they're, I mean, when you're, when you're voluntarily going to school that far north up in Wisconsin, you, you got to have something a little bit off. It just it has to be. Shaka Smart going up there. He's, man, it, it's a really interesting spot for him to be. Because Texas is a place with really, really high expectations and a conference with some of the best teams in the country, especially the last couple of years. The Big 12 has really found its groove. Now you're going to a place with the Big East, which is a little bit more open at the top, but a program that's not historically as strong as one like Texas. So Shaka Smart may have slightly lower expectations and lower competition here, and he may thrive in an environment like that. But at the same time, it's also possible what he did at VCU was just a little bit lucky. And you go to a place with less resources than what Texas had, and you're not able to put it together. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. I mean, who knows? He could he could have a breakout year here at Marquette and, you know, recreate some of that VCU magic. If not, you know, another rebuilding year. But yeah. I, I think anything, if I'm a Marquette fan that's somewhat half-knowledgeable about Big East play, I'm excited because Wojo, one, was a, a complete jerk, but two wasn't a very good coach. So I'm excited to see someone who has had proven success coaching college basketball come in and coach my program. Yeah, I don't think that this is going to be worse than it was. It should be an upgrade for Marquette, at least from a consistency perspective. They may not reach some of the highs. You may not get some of those Marcus Howard things, but I don't think they're going to lay an egg or disappoint at the end of the seasons the way that they did under Wojo the whole uh, constantly time and time again. If you want to talk about laying an egg, Dave Leto at DePaul, round two, <laughs> unable to put things together again. That win over Providence in the Big East tournament did nothing to help his job hopes. We were all laughing last year when he got the extension, and the, the AD came to his senses pretty quickly there. Getting him out, Stubblefield, uh, from what we've heard, did a very good job out at Oregon with recruiting there. Steps into a city that... Is a very big city that loves basketball in Chicago, in one of the best conferences in all of college basketball. You'd hope that they're able to turn DePaul into something there, because that would be very, very good for the conference. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just a note on Dave Leto. I mean, you, you should have known I wasn't going to let this slip under the radar without saying <laughs> something. Um, my dad and my uncle and my brother give me a lot of... Uh, they bust my chops a lot for this because they're like, there's no reason why you should hate Dave Leto. You know, he does nothing. And I was like, he's just so bad. Why did they keep him around? Like, DePaul was consistently the last place team in the conference. And they gave that man a contract extension. They're like, you know what? We like losing and we like being bad. You're going to get more money for doing your job. No, he he sucked as a head coach. Oh, man. Again, Uh, again, this is round two for him at DePaul. Like, it's it's like going back to one of your exes. It's not going to be different, even if you think it's going to be. Oh, that's a great way to put it. It's like it's like going back to a bad breakup. Um, yeah, no, oh, they, they said everything is going to be different. Yeah, but no, it, it's not. <laughs> oh, I've changed. It's not yeah. you. It's me. Yeah. But, so, you know what? Maybe we'll see the true love that is Dave Lado and DePaul come back together again. And it'll be true romance. Maybe third time is the charm there. But the second time was not. Maybe they'll finish second to last in his third stint. But anyway, Tony <laughs> Stubblefield, I don't really know a ton about him. I've been looking him up a little bit. Um, great recruiter. He's been with Oregon for a while. So maybe he'll bring some success. But I, I think I can say this confidently. Um, this will be a rebuilding year for DePaul. Um, and Matt, we joked before this. What differentiates this rebuilding year from every other rebuilding year is that this rebuilding year will head upwards and will not plateau like with Dave Lado. Or at least it has a chance of not plateauing. Like there's there's question marks now, which is honestly a positive for DePaul because it could go up. It's you're not stuck at the bottom a hundred percent right now for the next five years. They have hope because there's just something different. So we'll see what that leads to. I'm excited to see the change because DePaul has been the doormat of the Big East for as long as I can remember. And you'd love for that not to be the case. Obviously, I want to see Providence at the top every single year. But outside of that, the conference being as strong as possible, being as competitive as possible, it's what I want as a college basketball fan. It can only help the Friars as long as the Friars remain competitive. And if I'm not watching the Friars, I want to see quality basketball. I'm going to watch all the Big East games. So let's let's get everybody good. Let's get all 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. I don't think that's possible. Well, that, you know, let's it, go well it's it. 11. It's 11 teams. 11. Now. Ah, shoot. C- come on, UConn. No, the, actually, you know what? Yeah, F UConn. They don't count yet. <laughs> one, se- one season where Dan Hurley gets lucky with James Booknight going off does not count. Because I want to see yeah. how he does without Booknight next year. Yeah. And Book Knight's another guy he'll be leaving for the draft. So what was Hurley? He was yeah. he was ten and three with Book Knight, four and four without. And and UConn fans were pushing for him to be Big East Coach of the Year. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Let's not see how he does without Book Knight for an entire season. Yeah, not that resume. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us on this episode. Obviously, we didn't hit anything super in depth in this one. That's because we have many, many more months of content to bring you guys before the season starts back up again. So we're going to hit all these teams in depth and and talk a little bit more about what the new coaches mean, what the new players mean as we figure that out. We also want to let the dust settle a little bit because there's a lot of changes still to come. The transfer season has really only just started and we got a lot of guys who may or may not be going to the draft. We don't know about yet. So lots more to come. But this is where things are now in the Big East. Lots of question marks. 
heading into next season. Make sure you stay with us here at The Flex so you can catch our reactions to all of it. All of the changes around the Big East, the changes still to come with the Friars and our thoughts on all of it. It's going to be right here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at The Flex Hoops. Subscribe wherever you are listening to this and tune in because we're going to be bringing you content all off season long. For Joe Howie, I am Matt St. Jean, and thank you for listening. Thank you.